holiness. Without holiness, no man shall see God. All right. Without holiness, no. I I've heard this said before, and um, I, I I so much concur. An older preacher made this statement. He said, "We better figure out what holiness is because if you don't have it, you're not going to see God. So you better figure out what it is." And we're going to talk about holiness tonight. And I think it is. Uh, I think that it is something that, regardless of how much we preach or teach on it, it's never enough. I'm going to read one portion of Scripture to you in Hebrews 12:14. In Hebrews 12:14, and it says, "Follow peace with all men, and holiness without which no man shall see God." And that's Hebrews 12:14. Without holiness, we're not going to see Him. And you may be seated. The Bible is very clear that uh, very clear on this particular subject that the Lord has put a difference between His people and the world. That's very clear all the way. In fact, the first five books of Pentateuch, uh, it, it, it is all about separation. It's from the very beginning, from Genesis one. It's begin. It's about separation. So there has always been a separation or a difference between God's people and the world. And, and God has taken us out of darkness. We, we, when I came to God, I literally can say this with everything that is within me. I came and I was transformed. When I came to God, I changed. I did not allow the world, there was temptation right after I received the Holy Ghost, but I did not allow the world to come in and take me back to what I once was doing. I did not try to in any way say, this is alright or that's alright, I should, con- I can continue to do this. The only thing that mattered to me was that I could please God and I did whatever was necessary to please God and even a lot of things that wasn't necessary to please God because I loved God. I appreciated what Jesus did for me. He filled me with His Spirit. He pulled me out of darkness into His marvelous light, and I appreciated that. And you see, that is the most difficult thing for me as a pastor to understand, that when you come to God, there should be a transformation that takes place in your life, or there is just something wrong with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost I received changed me. Now, I know it's a different world. I realize that. But I'm still saying that there should be changes that occur. There should be a desire within the heart of any person that receives the Holy Ghost to be more like Jesus Christ because that's what the Holy Ghost is all about. I should desire that. I came out of darkness into light. And because God is in the light, we too have to be in the light. His children have to walk in the light. We must be a people of holiness, a people that desires holiness. The Scripture uh, that I just read to you warns that believer that we have to have it because we can't see him without it. And when we read about holiness in the Bible, we will notice that this subject is addressed to the believer, not to the world, but to the believer. In the New Testament, the references to holiness are found in the epistles, which we know are letters that were written to the churches, not the world. I cannot 
impose holiness on somebody that does not have the Spirit of God dwelling within them. Because there's churches and whole denominations out there that do that, and what they they make out of these people are a bunch of self-righteous people because they believe the only way they're going to go come to see God is for them to live a certain way without the holiness in there to prepare them. You see, when I received the Holy Ghost, I received resurrection power. That's how I'm going to go to heaven. And I can be as holy as I want to be. I can live all kinds of righteous ways, but without the Holy Ghost, I'm not going to go to heaven. So the Holy Ghost inside of us is what transforms us, and we become more in the image of Jesus Christ every day. Oh, aren't you glad you got the Holy Ghost? Aren't you glad you know So we are, we, we must walk in holiness. The Apostle Paul spoke about this subject in several letters he, again, that he wrote to the churches. And we can, we can read those in Romans 13 and 2 Corinthians 6 and 2 Corinthians 7. But in Romans 12, 1 and 2, he writes this. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be it transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. These scriptures are just a few that are found in the epistles. Now here the apostle is speaking to the attitude of holiness. And you see, that that's the key. We're not really, uh, we may get into some other things, but... There should be an attitude within all of us of holiness. That attitude of wanting to be Christ-like. That attitude of wanting to be more like Him. I, I, I was just, my thinking today was, uh, in the 24th chapter, or 24th Psalm, it speaks about who shall ascend into the mountain of God. He that is of a pure heart and clean hands, who's not allowed himself to be lifted up into vanity. Who shall ascend? And, and I, was, as I, was, I was reading that scripture. It came to me that, that Moses ascended the mountain of God, who sat in his holy place is what it says. He sat in his holy place. He was able to see parts of God. But he was not a perfect person. He had anger issues. He, he failed in, in, in different areas. So then how is it that a man that has any, any form of failure whatsoever, how can he be pure of heart and clean of hands? And the key to that is simply there is parts of us that cannot be seen by you or by the world, but God can see them. And, and what made him a pure heart was his desire. And if you read the Scripture and you find out some of the areas that, that he made mistakes in, it was because he was trying to protect God's people. It was always in his heart to protect God's people. That was his desire. Look at another man who, who had the, the same pure heart was David. And look at some of the terrible things that he did. Yet David had a heart after God. David was the apple of God's eye. In other words, he, he was the eyepiece of God. He is what God saw through. That's exactly what that's saying. He could see, uh, David could see as God could see. 
So what made him a pure heart? What, what made him special? It's because he had a heart for the people. When you've got a heart for God and the people, you can't help but want to live holy. A person that does not have a heart for God and for people will never live. They'll struggle all their life trying to live holy. But when you love God, first and greatest commandment, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love one another as I've loved you. When you have those two commandments, you will dress right, you will go to the right places, you will act right, you will constantly be right. Well, because you want to please the one that you love. And you want other people to see the example that you're setting. So this is an attitude of holiness. And the Bible clearly shows that holiness is an attitude, a desire and a way of thinking that is motivated by the believer's love for God. And it's all, all their love, not just love for God, but love for people. Holiness is not a standard or uniformity to a set of rules. It is a desire of the heart that is motivated by the believer's love and dedication to his God. It cannot be what must I do to please the Lord. It is what can I do to please the Lord. It's not what I must do. It's what I can do. That's always been the way I've always lived. I've never wanted to just get by with the minimum. I wanted to be so far over that there was a chance that I might shoot over heaven I would rather shoot all the way over it than to miss it by an inch that's what the, that's what the Baptist said about the Pentecostals you know that they said they said the trouble with you Pentecostals he said you're going to miss heaven because you're going to go over it <laughs> you know as, as believers we're, we're overwhelmed by, by God's love for us I, do, do you feel that way I, I do I get overwhelmed just the knowledge that God loves me in spite of what I am. It's just overwhelming sometimes. Why would God, of of all people on the face of the earth, ever look down on me and give me an opportunity to serve Him? Why would He do that? It's, It's overwhelming. I mean, I know it's love, and I can give you all the pat answers, and I can give you what the Bible says, but it's just hard for me to accept that God would do that for me. Maybe I'm the only one that feels that way. Maybe you all feel like you're deserving of it, but I don't feel like I am. But yet he did it. So it's an overwhelming, I, I think that there's a part of that that makes you want to do right. Because if you really feel like you don't deserve it, then you're going you're gonna to work at it a little harder. So there's nothing, there's nothing wrong. And I know we're not saved by works, but I'm saved through grace by faith. And it's because he loved me, and that should make me work harder for him. And towards him, if you would, or work with him. So our love for him compels us to to want to be like Him, to, to please Him. We're His children, and our heart's desire is to be like Him, just as a, a young child desires to be like his parents or her parents. Holiness is, is easy to obtain if we, if we love the Lord, and, and, and true holiness comes from having a close relationship with the Lord. Holiness is not something, again, I must do, but it's something I want to do. It's something I desire to do. True holiness is a, is a desire to please our Lord, just like in a marriage, a husband and a wife desire to please one another. If you're in a good marriage, that's the way it should be. You desire to please one another. Uh, you know, I, I, it's important uh, to, to know that, that 
that my wife wants to do everything that she can for me, and, and I want to do everything that I can for her. So what is the least that, and, and it's not something that I can say, what is the least that I can do to stay married? If you have a marriage relationship like that, you might as well go see the divorce lawyer right now because it's not going to work. What is the least that I need to do to stay married? It's, it's, it's the opposite. In fact, each spouse in marriage has a, a love-driven desire to do all they can to please their spouse. And never do they desire the least they can do for one another. But rather, they desire to do all they can for one another. Our, our love for God motivates us to be holy because we know this is pleasing to God. And the Lord has given us His Spirit to, to give us power over sin and, and the flesh. And just as a person cannot be a, a Christian on his own power, a person cannot be holy without God's Spirit in them, leading them. We are, we as, rather, apostolics, love to ask the question, do you have the Holy Ghost? You know, it's the 19th chapter of the book of Acts. Uh, the best message I ever preached was the 19th chapter of the book of Acts. Sing 250, get the Holy Ghost on that one. So that's a great message. You know, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? Best way to ever want to talk to somebody is just go up to them and, and congratulate them on their relationship with God that they've got through whatever denomination they go. And then say, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And then lead them right into it from there. That's the best way to lead them. Well, no, I'm not. I don't know anything about the Holy Ghost. Well, you ought to try it sometime. Don't try to get them to come to church. You just try to get the Holy Ghost, you know. You know, and then, and then you work on it from there. So, you know, that, that's what we like to do. And this is a good question. And, again, it was the same question asked in the 19th chapter of Acts. However, when it comes to holiness, a better question to ask ourselves is, does the Holy Ghost have me? In other words, do we allow the Holy Ghost to direct our actions, our thoughts, our desires, and our words? Or do we walk in His Spirit, or do we just walk according to our feelings? In Galatians 5.25 it says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now this is a promise. This is a promise. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So in other words, if I continue to walk as the Holy Ghost guides me and leads me, then I won't fulfill lustful, carnal, fleshly desires. I won't. That's a promise. The Holy Ghost will never make us more like the world. It never will. It will make us, it will never make us more carnal or, or worldly. It will always make us more like the Lord in everything we do or think. The Holy Ghost will work in us that we, that we can be conformed in His image. It will make us more Christ-like. In 1 John two fifteen and 16, it says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. The Holy Ghost is given to us to direct our paths and to lead us into all truth. Even when we have the liberty to do some things, the Holy Ghost can still speak to us and tell us not to do them. Now, why is that? Why is it that some people know that, you know, I, I can go out with, with Eldar here and we can go do some things that are not necessarily bad. For instance, and I've used this for an example, there's nothing probably wrong, there's nothing wrong with you playing euchre with a deck of cards as long as you're not betting. But I don't do it. 
Okay? I don't touch them things. It, I, I literally don't want to even touch a deck of cards. Because all I can remember through a lot of years in the military was playing poker. Up to 4 o'clock in the morning, get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. You know what I'm talking about. And so it bothers me. So now, what are you saying? I'm saying the Holy Ghost gave me that conviction. Maybe you never dealt with that. And you can play euchre and you can play a game with cards, but I, I just don't want to do that because maybe I would never pick it up. I'm not saying if I picked up a deck of cards, I'd instantly run it to Nevada, you know. <laughs> but, but the thing is, I, I don't want to remember that. I don't want to remember that. I don't want anything like that. And, and that's what is so great about people that are raised in the church that have never scarred themselves with some of the nasty things of life. And it's great if you can stay that way. It's great. You're never missing anything if you miss out on the worldly junk. You're not missing anything. And I wish all the young people could understand that. I really do. I really do. You're not missing anything. So there's some things that uh, the Holy Ghost just tells us not to do. And at this point, many people try to justify themselves by asking, what's wrong with it? Instead, the believer should follow the prompting of the Spirit and obey. And just because something is lawful does not mean we should do it. Just because, you know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians six twelve, it says, all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of anything. Now, the word expedient means it's <laughs> all things are lawful for me, under me, but all things are not expedient, or all things are not profitable, or I'm better off without it. That's what it means. I am better off without it. Even if something is not wrong, it may not be good spiritually speaking. And this is why we sometimes feel uneasy about doing something that others are doing, even though it is not wrong. God is trying to protect us. This is why His Spirit is speaking to our heart. And if God's Spirit is speaking to your heart about something, obey that. Obey it. The Holy Ghost will always lead us away from the world and towards God. It will always produce a, a Christ-like character. And this is one of the reasons we've been filled with the Holy Ghost. We can always trust the Holy Ghost, even when it, it goes against our feelings. It will never lead us astray. And if we obey His Spirit, we will be a person of holiness. If we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If we walk in holiness, we will please the Lord. It's so wonderful to see people worship in the beauty of holiness. There, there is something so wonderful about that, something that lifts your spirit. I mean, I know that you should be worshiping along with it, but sometimes it's nice to watch people worship when you know they're holy people. It's just something that lifts your spirit about all of it. God holds us. And, and you know, I can, I, can go, I can go to leadership with this, but let me explain something to you. When it comes to leadership in the church, yes, God holds us to higher standards, but leadership... As far as I'm concerned, a church placed in an area, everyone in that particular assembly is leaders to the people outside those doors. Everybody in this church is leaders because the whole world is looking at you. They're looking and saying, can people really live that kind of life or are they faking it? 
And they will watch you and they will test you and they'll try to make you slip up. That's the wonder and the beauty of it. And sometimes we do. And you know the great thing about God's people, when they make a mistake, they're also big enough to look at that person that's not in the church and say, I made a mistake. Don't you, don't you at all judge God over what I just did. I made a mistake, and I'm asking God to forgive me, and I'm asking you to forgive me. That will lift you right up. That will lift you up. People know that none of us are perfect, but they're looking for a person that can be honest with them. And do their best to live the right kind of life. Makes all the difference. Leaders, again, must be an example of holiness. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament show us that. And God has always expected His leaders to be examples to His people. And as leaders, people will be watching us. They will be learning by what we say and more by what we do and most by what we are. So we must be people who model holiness before the congregation and others. And therefore, we, we have to be careful in what we say or do or where or where we go. One thing we have learned from raising children is this. What a parent does in moderation, your kids are going to do in excess. We may tell our children to do or don't do certain things, but our children really learn by what we ourselves do. And as parents, the things we do in moderation will many times be done by our children in, in excess. And they will use our behavior for an excuse for their behavior. So we have to be careful what we do because our children are watching us. They are watching us. And as leaders, we have the same kind of accountability before our spiritual children as well. What leaders say and do is a model for those we try to lead. And, and too often people will use the example of a leader to justify their behavior in certain situations. The people under our leadership will use what we do in moderation to excuse their actions. And leaders must be an example of holiness in all things, in word, in action, in our treatment of others. And, and, and you know, that everybody's looking at us. Everybody is looking at us. Hardest thing about being a pastor is knowing that you're always living in a glass house. No matter what, you're living in a glass house. The Bible tells us clearly in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, what kind of world we live in. And we live in a, a nasty one. It tells us we're living in, the Bible says, in perilous times. Paul told Timothy, Timothy said, you're living in perilous times. And if Timothy was living in perilous times, what are we living in right now? So it's a continuation and even worse. The word perilous comes from a Greek word which means difficult times. That is dangerous or, or furious or fierce. To the, and this means people need a clear example of holiness shown to them. They need a, a person who not only talks about holiness but one who lives it. Holiness cannot just be a uniform or a standard of dress. It must be a way of life. It must be generated out of a love for God and His kingdom. We leaders will answer one day for every action that we produce, we will answer for it. Why, why do I say and do as a pastor what I do? Because I know that one day the Bible says I'm going to stand before God. And I'm going to give, I'm going to give an account of everything I've ever said from up here. Everything. Do you think that I want to stand up there and be some kind of willy-nilly, jellyfish kind of pastor? That, and and I've got to stand before God? If I was doing this for uh, just totally to, as, as a, as a uh, something to do, a job, if you would, 
You know, I I go to IU and become a professional basketball player. I mean, I'd already been. They'd had me in the NBA, the ABA, NBC, and all that. But you know what? What I'm doing here, what I'm doing here, I have to answer to God for. I'm going to answer to something a whole lot bigger than any one of you. And so I better preach what the Bible says and not try to tickle your ears. The world is waxing worse and worse, and we know that. The Bible says it will happen in the last days. Because of this, we are becoming more accustomed to sin. This, this is what bothers me, because we become accustomed to it. Immoral, ungodly behavior is displayed all around us, folks. Everywhere you look, whether it be papers, magazines, movies, videos, all of it is crept, and it's crept into our churches. Do you know what I have seen in my time is that some of the things and expressions, and even I I can remember, (laughs) I can remember the first, and I hadn't been in church very long, and Jeff Arnold was preaching. And he used the, the term that I won't even use from up here, but it starts with a C and ends with a P. And there's an R and A in between it. Okay? And, you know, when I heard him say he said it on a, that was an eight-track tape. That was before you weren't even born, probably. And, and I heard him say that, you know, immediately, whoa, whoa. You know, I think he got called down on that, if I remember correctly. But regardless, you know, there's just things that you don't, say as far as I'm concerned and there's things that we talk about in churches anymore that best be left alone I mean just to be right up front there's too many people too open with sexual matters I mean I, I, I'm just telling you it's just too much and you don't go talking too freely about certain things like that because of what it generates in people that are listening so it's just some things that, that we don't do. We, we see things and talk about things that shouldn't be, you know, we shouldn't be seen or talked about by Christians. We, we're like the frog that is slowly boiled in water. And because the temperature was turned up so slowly, he never noticed until it was too late. And as the world gets further away from God, there will be more and more pressure on us to change our standards. But we cannot do that. We have to be an example of holiness to this generation. We have to be. There's got to be a safe place. I don't like the world. I mean, I just don't like it. I like coming into a place where I can just, I don't have to hear what the world has to say. You know, you don't have to listen to the filthy talk. Some people cuss so much they don't even know they're cussing. Because it's just a part of what they say. I was watching a... uh, YouTube, and I, I can't, I, I, you know, and I'm not, I'm not justifying myself, but it, it was a, uh, it was one taken of a police officer in Florida who had pulled a guy over. In Florida, they're, uh, they're, they're somewhat lax on on their carry permits as far as firearms. And this guy had a carry, he had a pistol on his side, and he, had, he got out of his truck. And he didn't tell the police officer. He, he had a, so this guy is behind him, and he screams at him and says, a file, this is a police officer. The filthiest words. 
get down on the ground, you know, and, and all this. And, and, and I, I thought then, if that's what they're taught in police academies, all that would do to me would be make me angry. He would make me matter by cussing at me. If he would say, sir, please lay down on the ground, put your hands on your head, I would be more apt to do it than cussing me out. Because, you know, that, that, there's just a certain amount of... And this is, this is something that, that is happening to our world and our society. When you've got people that you should respect in positions of respect, you expect them to act respectable. Holiness, you know, holiness does not change from generation to generation, and God's Word cannot be re- rewritten to fit societal norms. His Word is established forever. God's holiness does not depend upon man's approval, and we cannot excuse it away through our carnal reasoning. As the world's standards get lower and lower, so do the standards of the church. It, it stays above the standard of the world, but it, it lowers along with the world. Do you understand what I'm saying? When the world had a higher standard, then we have high standards. But when the world lowers its standards, then the church tends to do the same thing. But we have to get to a place where we say we don't go any further. I'm not lowering this anymore. I refuse to be what the world is. I, I, I don't want to be. The church has absolutely no place of being like the world. And God help us if we, if we think we do. We see in the New Testament when, where Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for being concerned only about their, their, uh, their image. And, and they cared more about how they appeared before men and what men thought of them. And they only wanted to appear to be holy. You see, folks, what I have on the outside is generated on the inside. I do not have it on the outside just so that I can look good to you and so you can think I'm something special. What I have, God has created in me. The Pharisees didn't have that. They were Pharisees. And they wanted the world to see them. What they wanted to do, and I'll give you three things. They prayed to be heard of men. They wanted the men to hear them. They wanted people to see how much money that they gave. They wanted people to know when they were fasting. They wanted the world to know. And Jesus said, they've got their reward. Because the people recognize them for what it is. But but in, in God's eyes, he could have cared less. He didn't want that. That wasn't for him. Inwardly, these men were void of God. They, they developed their religion, but their relationship was lacking. Their holiness was a set of rules and standards, but it was not true holiness. They followed rules, but they did not affect their hearts. And, and this form of holiness they had was motivated by what men thought of them. It was self-righteousness. True holiness is motivated by a, a love for God. I've said that over and I'm going to continue to say it. And it is kept fresh by a daily relationship with Him. If you keep prayed up, you'll keep the right relationship with God. It's when you start lacking in these areas. It's where you start going downhill and letting down in areas that you should never let down in. And we as believers today must be careful to maintain our relationship with God. And without this relationship, we will quickly fall from true holiness to self-righteousness. 
And over time, we get used to the presence of the Lord, and, and, and we can get into a routine of just going to church and acting a certain way, working for the Lord and, and, and working with the Lord, not working, working for Him and not working with Him, taking His presence for granted, and, and the Word and His presence in our services becomes such a routine that it no longer affects our hearts. When this happens, we begin to lose our holiness. Often this can be done without even noticing it. Going back to the frog, you know, gradually turning up the heat till he's roasted and he don't even realize what's happened. Church should never be a routine. Church should be a place to come to worship. You don't come here just to be seen by the people. You don't come here just to, in order for everybody to say, well, they're at church or there they should be and we don't have to call them today. I walk in those doors and I begin to, at that moment, give thanksgiving to God. I begin to pray whether I do it inwardly or outwardly. I'm asking God, God, I want something from you tonight and I want to give something to you tonight. I do not want this just to be a routine service. I do not want to walk out of here the way that I walk in here. I don't want this just to be something I do because it's expected out of me. I want to be a better man when I walk out of here. In the Old Testament, Samson was so used to having the power of God on him that he took it for granted. And he got careless. There came a time when he needed the power of God, but to his shock, he did not have it. And some of the saddest words... In the Bible are found in Judges 16 and 20. I don't know if you've ever noticed that or not, but it's, it's pretty sad. The Bible says, and he knew not that the Lord had departed from him. He didn't know it. God's Spirit had left him, and all he had left was his own power. A true Christian needs God's power to live an overcoming life. We need God and His holiness to overcome sin and be an effective labor in His harvest. Our holiness is much more than a standard. It's a way of life, a way of thinking, a way of talking, and a way of doing things. Holiness is guided by principles from the Word of God. Because He loves us, He shows us how to conduct ourselves in all manner of conversation. The Bible lays out God's principles that we are to live by. The Bible lays this out. We, we are motivated by love to be pleasing to God, and it is our joy to live according to these principles. 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 Our heart's desire is to be like Him. God is holy, thus I want to be holy. When it comes to dress and conduct, the Bible's principles are very clear. God wants men to be men, Women to be women. Men dress like men. Men act like men. Women dress like women. Women act like women. This is the principle when it comes to dress and conduct. God demands a separation. He creates us man and He creates us woman. I don't want to smell like a woman. But I like for women to smell good. And that is something I, I like. But if I smelled like they did, then there would be something wrong with me. I've seen some men that walk like women walk. And I can't hardly, it makes, it makes me want to upchuck, vomitus. The Old Testament taught that women were to, not to wear that which pertains to a man. Men do not wear that which pertains to a woman. 
Deuteronomy 22 and 5, and we must keep a definite line between the two. It must be a clear distinction. Folks, there's a reason for this, and, and you, you, I think we all see it now, don't we? What's okay now? We've got men marrying men and women wearing women. Why? Because somewhere back about 1944, 45, they lost the distinction. Women started doing men's work, dressing like men. And from that point on, we've got gays, we've got lesbians. And they are completely contrary to the Scripture. I don't care what they say. I don't care if they have their own churches. You read the first chapter of the book of Romans. You read Leviticus 18 and 19. You can go on and it's continual. It tells you this is wrong. And we have allowed this to happen simply because the world lost the distinction between male and female. That's good preaching. Thank you. And we have observed over the years what happens when we allow this to disappear. We, we reap a horrible consequences. Example, in Canada and other countries in Europe, group sex now has legal status. Group sex. Homosexuals have equal protection under the law in many nations, and it's coming here as well. States in the U.S. are beginning to allow the same-sex marriages. Today you see men and women both wearing earrings, necklaces, men's business suits, makeup, lipstick, and dyed hair. We've had men in here who's had that before. I told, I told Brother Hill to quit it, and he finally did. <laughs> you know, I, I remember the, the first time I saw, and you know I'm just joking, everybody, I hope. <laughs> okay. I remember the first time that I ever seen a man wearing a woman's attire, completely. It was in the Philippines. I've seen it here since. But uh, we, we come into the hotel, and this, I thought was a woman, comes running from the hotel. She obviously, uh, it was obviously a pickup, and running to a car. And, uh, you know, I'm just standing there thinking, how in the world can, you know, how can that be? And then another time uh, later, we had one of our preachers who were <laughs> was sweet talking a couple of women that turned out to be men. <laughs> you remember that? That was not you. Well, it was a brother Sullivan. And, you know, you always the, the young ladies work these stalls, and you always tell them how you know they're, they're they're pretty and all this, and you get good deals. Well, he was doing this, and, and brother Sullivan was over and said, "Hey, hey," and he finally turned and said, "That's that's two men." <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to say one thing. They know how to make themselves up, I guess. That's what they do. But do you see, I mean, that, that's sad. You should never have to deal with something like that. How many of us have gotten used to some and most of all of these things? Really, haven't we? We're scared to say anything. I think it was my wife who said they saw she was at the mall. I mean, probably many of you have seen this. They saw two men kissing over by the, by the wall, you know. You know. To me, I would have said this is an inappropriate place if it was a man and a woman. 
But if you'd went up and said this is inappropriate, you would probably got thrown in jail. You know, I, I, don't, I don't kiss my wife in public. I don't, you know, and that's for sure. I don't want to see two men throw a French lip lock on one another. But I'm saying that we, we, it becomes normal. And when things become normal and we accept it, when do we stop? When do we finally speak up? Now, when, when is enough enough? That's why that we have, if nothing else, we have to set the example of what is righteous more now than we've ever needed to. We can't back down from holiness now. We cannot back down from it. You know, many believe that it's necessary to lower our standards in order to reach the lost, and they believe we must accommodate the world. They think if we lower the standard, more people will come, but this is simply not true. There's nothing wrong with God's holiness. Now, I'm, I'm gonna, I can prove that point. This is, this is good. A missionary in England mentioned that in that nation alone, 50 women per day are becoming Muslim. They're putting away their worldly attire, putting on the head covering and long dresses. Now, this is a Muslim's. Why do we think that we can't be, have holiness in dress? Because what they believe is holy is much worse than what you have to endure. If you think that's enduring. People are, are turning from Christianity because most Christians lack commitment. That's why they're turning to the Muslim religion. They're not committed. We're committed to what we are. We are committed to Jesus Christ. We're committed to the Word of God. We're committed to living righteously and holy, and we can't back down and be wishy-washy in the face of a group of people that are, I forget how many billion there are now of Muslims, but we've got people turning that way because of commitment. That's what people want to see. They want to see if you're real, then you're going to be committed to what you believe. You're willing to die for what you believe. The world looks at the, at the general Christian world today and sees no difference. That's what they see in the general uh, Christian world. No difference. So what is there to draw them? What is there that, that they do not already have? Holiness is a power with God. We must keep our... I never would be in church today if there wasn't a difference. I wouldn't have. I, I could. I might as well stay doing what I'm doing. Why waste my time going to, to church and worshiping a God when there was no difference in me and the world and them? You know, what's the difference when you got churches today that, that, that cancel church you know, on, on Super Bowl Sunday and go down and have beer parties in the basement? What kind of difference is that? When we get rid of our holiness and our separation, we lose our power with God and His blessings. When you look at the various church organizations that have lost out with God, you can see it is because many of them no longer have true holiness and separation from the world. A recent statistic was released showing that over 70% of the Assemblies of God members no longer speak with tongues, and they're losing members. They have lost out because they lost their power when they lost their holiness. They lose their power. One of the duties of the church and its leaders must be to teach and model holiness. When we do this, the members will be more like Jesus instead of more like the world. This world needs to see examples of Christianity and dress and speech, behavior and attitudes. The world already knows how to undress. You hear me? 
They do not need more examples of that. This world needs somebody to aim higher. They need to see holiness modeled before their eyes. They need to see holiness in dress as well as attitude and character. And when I come to God, I said it before, I, want, I came for a difference and a change. Because if I, I never I remember the day I got the Holy, Holy Ghost and I remember making a commitment to myself that if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this all the way. I'm not going to be wishy-washy about it. I'm going to go in and I'm going to do everything that I, I need to do because I appreciate. You know what I appreciated more than anything? Because I knew my kids were younger and I knew that God would take care of my children. And I didn't want my children to be, uh, to be in, a, in a position that I was in at that time. I didn't want them to ever have to go through that. And then <laughs> through them, I finally learned myself to fall in love with God. Now, that's just the truth. There's a lot of people who can say the same thing. You know, I see, I see some of these, these young mothers come in here, and they don't want their children. I can see it in their eyes. They don't want their children to have to go through what they went through. And in the process, let me tell you, if you're in the process until you really understand it for yourself completely and, and how that you can have the, this wonderful kind of relationship with God yourself, you know, keep letting your children be, the, the, be the, the reason you're here. Keep letting them do it and keep thinking in your mind, I don't want them to be like me. And before long, you're going to be modeling to them what you want them to be. And that's exactly how we have to. I want to model to them what I want them to be. Holiness without which no man shall see. God, stand with me. Stand with me. There is never, never enough holiness preached in churches anymore. <clears throat> we standards, standards are a fence that guards our Holy Ghost. Now, that may sound strange to you, but this is the way I see it. I know the Holy Ghost is God's Spirit inside of me, and He doesn't need anything to guard, guard Him. But on the other side of it, within my heart, I want to set a perimeter around myself so that what I have inside of me is not going to be tainted with the world. And that electric fence is about 20 foot tall, got 220 plus volts in it, is my holiness. And any devil that comes near it is going to get fried. And, you know, the more tempted I become, I've learned this, the more holy I become. I start pulling away from things that, you know, I, I, stop, I stop eating chocolate ice cream. Now, that's just for a little while. <laughs> the only pie I eat is coconut cream. <laughs> and only if he bakes it. I can't get him to bake it. I've got to have to pay him for it. Try to get freebies anymore. I can't get them. Aren't you glad you know Jesus Christ? Aren't you glad that you're holy? God that we serve is holy. He can keep us. Oh, God, he can keep us untainted from his world. If we just allow him to live by the principles that he has set forth for us. That's what we have to do. Raise your hands to the Lord right now together. Father, we thank you for your blessings. I thank you for holiness without which no man shall see God. I thank you, Lord, for your blessings and the, the touch that you've given me in my life. I praise you and I glorify you. And I thank you for all that you've been to me. I ask it now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Shake three people's hands. Tell them you're glad that they're living for God.